you have your Bibles with you, please open them with me to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, we've just obviously come through our Easter celebration, and for the next couple of weeks today and next Sunday, I just want to hit a couple of uh, themes following the resurrection, things that we see in the scriptures, things that had changed, some of the preceding events after Jesus rose from the dead. And uh, John chapter 21, a very famous passage where John gives us a little uh, kind of personal insight into Jesus' ministry to the disciples, some of them specifically immediately following the days of his resurrection. I've entitled today's message, From Resurrection to Restoration. From Resurrection to Restoration. Today's passage will focus very much on the Apostle Peter. Now, you, you know something of Peter's history. Peter was the one who declared, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to Peter, wow, uh, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but the Spirit of God, you know, he spoke under that inspiration of the Holy Spirit when Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? But Peter is also the one that, you know, said, no, Jesus, you're not going to the cross. I'm not, that's not part of my plan for you. And Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan, right? Same Peter speaks under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And then he's got the devil whispering uh, things into his ear. He was foretold by Jesus that he would deny the Lord three times. This was after Peter had boasted, never, I'll never deny you. These others... May. These other disciples may not love you and be, follow you and honor you, but I will. I will never forsake you. Of course, we know that Peter did deny Christ three times before the crucifixion. And now that Jesus has raised, you know that Peter is still carrying the weight of that failure. The Bible says after he did that, he went out and wept bitterly. So he was really a broken man after that denial. But Jesus has raised. The Bible lets us know that Jesus even made a personal appearance to Peter, somewhere between uh, appearing to Mary Magdalene and appearing ultimately to the, to the disciples. Scripture lets us know that there was a visit, visit with Peter himself. We don't have the record of that, but other than the reference that he did meet with Peter. So Peter is going through quite a bit at this stage after the resurrection. The excitement of seeing the risen Lord, but also the, the grief of knowing how he failed the Lord in that moment of crisis. And this is the setting that we come to in John chapter 21. Pick it up with me. We'll, we'll break today's passage up into three sections. Uh, Jesus appearing to the disciples and the first thing we'll notice is that Jesus comes with blessing. Jesus comes with blessing. Verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Tiberias is just another reference to the Sea of Galilee. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that would have been James and John, and two other of his disciples were together, two others not named, so a total of seven, including Peter. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, 
And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus, just the break of dawn. Verse 5, then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, this is John referencing himself, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, about 100 yards out, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. After these things, after his appearing to the disciples in Jerusalem, immediately following the resurrection, the disciples came back to their hometown, back to the region of Galilee. Jesus had said, I will meet you in Galilee. So they were somewhat anticipating another appearance of Jesus, but not knowing when, not knowing the timing of what would be next, they decided to go fishing. Peter said, I'm, I'm going to go fishing. We're here, we're home, this is what we do. And so back to fishing we go. And the other six said, yeah, well, we'll go with you. We see Peter still kind of a, a, a leader among the men and among the disciples. Now, we don't know if this was something that the Lord approved of or not. And many Bible teachers kind of have different opinion of, uh, on this event. Like, well, you know, they really shouldn't have gone back to fishing. Hadn't Jesus called them out of the fishing business? Hadn't he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men? And now they're back in Galilee and they're just kind of going back to what was their old life, their old way of living. And so some think, well, maybe this was a compromise on their part. Perhaps they shouldn't have done that. They're just turning back to the old life, the old ways. God had called them to new things. But on the other hand, there is no mention of Jesus condemning them as they go out to fish. And in fact, he seems to bless the whole event when he arrives. So it's hard to know whether this was something of a compromise in their heart or just something of a practical step. Look, what do we do now? We don't, you know, Jesus is raised, but listen, it's not like it was when we were traveling with him every day and he was our provision and he was performing all the miracles. He was, you know, we, we had a purpose in ministry with him. Now we just see him, he appears, he's gone. We know he's raised. We're excited to know that he's alive but we don't know what that means to us today. Yeah, he said we would be fishers of men, but how? 
when? And I think this can happen even in our Christian life. You know, there's this joy of knowing that Jesus is alive, but okay, what does that mean in my life? How do I fit that truth into my day-to-day living? These men still had to make a living. They still had to provide. They still had to make sustenance for their life. And so it seems to me that these men are doing what came natural and seemed to me very practical. And I have no evidence that Jesus was upset because when he arrives, he blesses them. Now, it, it is interesting that they fished all night and caught nothing. So there is some evidence here that doing your own decision is not going to be as blessed as when Jesus comes and directs your decision. Jesus comes and says, cast your net on the other side. And of course, there is this miraculous catch. John, as a true fisherman coming up in the industry, he knew exactly how many fish they would have been counted. This was part of their business, 153 large fish. That's a pretty good catch. And without breaking the net, He points that out. This was something of a miraculous catch. When Jesus arrives, he he actually performs this this miracle to them. But it doesn't seem that he's doing this to confirm that they are now to return back to fishing. And this is important too. Sometimes the Lord will bless, but it's merely just his hand of blessing. It's not necessarily a calling. It's not necessarily him directing a whole new course or a return of course for your life. Sometimes we just have to learn to walk in the blessing of Jesus as he provides and blesses in our walk and journey with him. Some things are very instrumental in leading and directing. Other things are just God being good to us. And that's the case here. Jesus is not sending these men back into the fishing business, is he? No, in fact, he's getting ready to call them to be witnesses for him. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the utter ends of the earth, these men are getting ready to have a whole new life imparted to them. They'll have to wait for the empowering of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus is readying them for something completely different than the life of going back into the fishing industry. And yet, he blesses it. He blesses them to establish his place in their lives. This is what I'd like you to consider today, that God at times will just, for really unknown reasons to us, he will just show up in some area of your life and bless you, maybe even in an unexpected way. Maybe you can relate to that. I know that I can. Like, wow, God, thank you. This blessing, I I didn't even pray for it. I wasn't even asking for it. And yet, your, your goodness is here. I see it. I acknowledge it. And I believe that the Lord will continue to do those kinds of things in our lives, not necessarily to call us into a new work, but just to remind us that He's always at work, that He's with us, that He loves us. And sometimes you have to look for those blessings. You have to be mindful of his place in your life. And it seems to me that he's simply blessing these men because he loves them. He's just coming back to say, don't forget that I am in your life. Don't forget that I'm alive. 
Don't forget that you can fish all night and catch nothing, but at my command, I can perform miraculous things in your life. Just reestablishing that connection, that dependence, that relationship, that he is with me and that he loves me. Have you ever had an unexpected blessing in your life? And like, wow, where did that one come from? Well, that's the Lord just reminding you of his goodness. And that's why John says immediately, Peter, it's the Lord. You know, once before he had sent us out after a night of fishing. He said, hey, let's go back out and do some fishing. Remember, Peter said, Lord, we fished all night, but okay, at your word, we'll go back out. Out they went and boy, they caught a huge catch. So John knows immediately something's up. We take our nets and cast it on the other side and here come the fish. Peter, it's the Lord. Peter is out of the boat. He plunges into the sea and swims ashore. He can't wait to see Jesus, even though he's 100 yards out. Peter is still devoted, and Peter is still impulsive. This is just Peter's way, right? Always kind of overreacting. And yet, we see his heart for Jesus. And when when they arrive and when they bring the fish in, and this really blessed me, Jesus is there. He's already got a fire going. He's already got some fish cooking on the barbecue. He's got bread warming. And he says, come and eat breakfast. Bring some of your fish. Come and fellowship. Come and enjoy relationship with me. And this is also a blessing. This is the risen Lord. This is Jesus having conquered sin, death, and the grave. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's on the shore making breakfast for the disciples. The servant heart of Christ. The blessing of Jesus in their lives. That blessed me. I'd like it to bless you this morning as well. You know, when Jesus comes, it's good to have Jesus in your life. It's good to have just the relationship of Jesus in your life. He loves you. He wants to care for you. He brings provision. He brings the comfort of a fire and just the fellowship of breakfast with with his guys, you know? The first men's breakfast after the resurrection. Sometimes we just need to spend time with Jesus. Jesus just wanted a fellowship with them. Jesus just wanted some time with them. You know, we live busy lives. And even as Christians, you know, we we kind of, our devotion life with Jesus is kind of something that we have to put on the schedule, right? Okay, yeah, I got devotions, that's the seven to eight window, and then my, you know, whatever, you're scheduling it in there. Jesus, you, you put him on your appointment planner. Got some time with Jesus today, hope I can fit it in. And then sometimes we don't fit it in, we're just too busy. And even when we're with him, we're too distracted, Right? Sometimes I just have to turn, I got to turn all the electronics off. Got to turn off the cell phone, got to turn off the, everything and just some, find some place to be alone with Jesus. I want to remind you of a passage. You don't need to turn. I'll read it for you. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, 
You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. What is the one thing that's needed, church? Jesus. Time with Jesus. Fellowshipping with Him. Slowing down. Turning things off. Stopping the noise. Finding space in your life to be with Him. Maybe it's an early morning for some. Maybe it's an evening. Maybe it's a sunset. Maybe it's a walk. Maybe it's just getting away from everyone and everything and allowing time to be with Jesus. Jesus comes to these disciples and He blesses them with fellowship. Come, have breakfast with me. Just sit and spend time with Jesus. There's a reward in that for us spiritually because that's where God speaks often to our hearts. If you can think and remember the times that the Lord has really impressed certain truth into your life, I know for myself, it's often been in those quiet moments. Now, sometimes God just interrupts everything and gets His message across, but most often in my life, I find that the Lord speaks to my heart when I quiet my heart, when I'm alone with Him and fellowshipping with Him. It's important to be walking with Him and allowing the blessings of His company, the blessing of His goodness to be upon your life. Let's look back at our text to the second kind of stage of this chapter. We see Jesus brings blessing. We also see that Jesus brings restoration. And this will be specifically with Peter, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This exchange between Peter and Jesus is a critical moment in Peter's life. Peter has denied Jesus just days before this event. But at the cross, you remember the story, when accused of knowing Jesus, Jesus was on trial. Peter said, oh no, I don't know him. Three times, and then the rooster crowed, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. Jesus is very specifically trying to bring Peter back to that moment. Jesus is not trying to condemn Peter by bringing up the past. Jesus is trying to heal and restore Peter by bringing him through that past. He says to, to Peter, do you love me more than these? Now again, there's different ideas about what was Jesus saying when he, than these. What these is he talking about? Do you love me more than these things of your old life in terms of fishing, the boat, the net, the fish? Do you love me more than these things? Are you willing to give up your old career and follow me? 
And that may be part of what Jesus was saying, although it seems to me Jesus had already called him out of that. And for the last three and a half years, Peter had left the fishing business. I'm not sure that Jesus was trying to draw that, that reality out of Peter again. It may have been, do you love me more than these other disciples claim to love me? Now, I think that's what Jesus was addressing because that's what Peter's boast was when he said, I'll never deny you. These other guys might, but not me. I will never deny you, Jesus. And so now Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples as you once claimed, as you once boasted before you fell? I think Jesus is intentionally bringing Peter back to this moment where he failed the Lord. Not to condemn him. Not to cause him the pain of reliving it, but to restore him to say, Peter, even in light of that, I still have something for you. Feed my sheep. Don't not go, go back to fishing. No, come and care for those that I care for. I want you to start taking care of my disciples, those that are going to come to faith and follow me, feed my sheep. There is some interesting insight if you know the, some of the Greek language on this passage, and I'm no scholar, but this is pretty well documented, that when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He uses the Greek word agape. Do you agape me? Do you love me, Peter, with an unselfish, giving, sacrificial love. And Peter's response was, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I'm very fond of you. I consider you. I love you as a friend, a brother. I phileo. Peter, do you agape? Oh, yes, Lord, you know I phileo. And this distinction, Jesus is, is using a, the, the, the deeper meaning of love. Peter is responding with the kind of more moderate level of love. And he asks him three times. The first time, Peter, do you agape me? Peter, do you agape me? And then the third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you phileo me? Jesus then brings it down to the phileo level. And then it says, Peter was grieved that he said to him the third time. The third time in number, but also how he expressed it the third time. He didn't ask me if I agape, he asked me if I phileo. What's going on in Peter's heart? Why is Peter afraid to just say I agape? Yes, Jesus, I love you the way you're, you love me. I think that Peter has been humbled through this whole experience. I think Peter is less confident in himself at this time. I think Peter has had a life of kind of overboasting. Overcommitting. Oh, yeah, I'll be there for you, Jesus, only to realize that in himself he was not there. And it may be that he's just being more modest now, and Jesus is saying, Do you agape? And Peter's saying, I phileo. Almost as if to say, Jesus, I want to say that I love you with an agape kind of love, but in myself I don't have that confidence. I've had too many times where I have boasted of my love and my devotion and my commitment only to realize that I really wasn't able to live up to it. And I think this is part of what Jesus is drawing out of Peter. Bringing Peter into the reality that 
in himself he's weak. That in himself he's not going to be able to do what God has called him to do. It's going to come through a relationship with him in love and devotion. Jesus is going to be providing the grace, the help, the love, the strength to accomplish what he's calling Peter to do. So he's bringing Peter, I believe, into restoration in relationship, but he's also letting Peter know it's not too late. Peter, I can still use your life. Peter, nothing has changed in my calling and my purpose for you. I'm restoring you. I've forgiven you. And I'm asking you now, not will you promise again? Will you tell me that you'll never do that again? Will you make sure that I can depend on you? No, no. Do you love me? And that's the question I think that Jesus would have for every heart, even here today. Do you love me? Because if you love me, everything else will take care of itself. If you really love Jesus, all your life will, will eventually come in line with the things that Jesus is desiring for your life. Because it's a, it's a relationship of love. And he's asking Peter to feed my sheep, tend my sheep, shepherd my people. Peter, I want you to start prioritizing the things that are of priority to me. And that is my church, my people, my sheep. They're not your sheep, they're mine, Jesus said. But Peter, if you love me, this is where I want your heart to start looking at the things that are of priority to me. It seems to me Peter would learn this. It seems to me that Peter would become a very good shepherd of God's people. In fact, again, you don't need to turn, but listen to Peter talking about shepherding in his own letter, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12. No, excuse me, wrong, wrong reference. Well, I don't have it, so sorry. It's, I think it's in 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to kind of just give a little paraphrase of it. Peter would encourage the elders that he was writing to to shepherd the flock of God among you, not by compulsion, but lovingly, willingly, and doing it uh, as an example to the flock. Peter himself would speak of shepherding to other shepherds that he began to teach and raise up in ministry. Peter did hear this, this word, and Peter did receive it. Let's follow, uh, finish up here today, the last section of this chapter. Jesus brings blessing. Jesus brings restoration. But he also calls Peter to follow. We have to be able to receive God's blessing. We have to allow God to restore our heart and relationship with him. And there also has to be a willingness, a commitment to follow him. Verse 18, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter turns and sees John. Verse 21, Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, 
If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that not even that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. John finishes his gospel. John would write his gospel many years after these events. John would live to be the oldest of the apostles. Most of them, all the others would be martyred off. In fact, Peter would die. History tells us that he was crucified, but not wanting to be crucified as Jesus was, he requested to be crucified upside down. So when John writes these words concerning the prophecy about Peter's death, Peter is already dead when John writes. But Peter himself would refer to this prophecy in his own writings, knowing that Jesus had told him something about how he would die and glorify the Lord. He said, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. The idea of speaking of crucifixion. But here's the point. Following Jesus will involve sacrifice. He comes to Peter and the disciples and he blesses them with his fellowship, with the miracle of the fish. He then restores Peter very lovingly, very gently, very graciously. But then he says, now Peter, you've got to follow me. And listen, following me means following me, but means picking up your cross and following me. It means dying to yourself, dying to your own wishes, putting the old man away and following me in the new life and purpose that I've called you to. And following Jesus will involve sacrifice. Jesus said, look, when you were younger, you did what you wanted. But that's not the way you're going to follow me. You don't do what you want and follow Jesus. Jesus is going this way. Yeah, but I want to go this way. Well, then that's not following Jesus. So Jesus is bringing Peter back into relationship, but he's also bringing Peter back into a commitment to follow him. For Peter, it would mean death. And Peter understood this. And Peter, as he's hearing these words, you can imagine this would be a little bit heavy for someone to hear that, you know, I'm asking you to follow me and it's going to require great sacrifice. And Peter's hearing these words and he looks and he sees John over his shoulder. He says, well, what about John? Is he going to be in on this program too? And uh, Jesus' famous words, what is that to you? Peter, what is that to you? You follow me. And I think that's a word that we can say even to all our hearts here today. Following Jesus involves sacrifice. Following Jesus involves a singular focus upon him. Yeah, but what about these things? What about this person? What about them? What about what he's doing? What about what he's not doing? What, what is that to you? You follow me, believer. This is what Jesus is calling us to. 
a relationship that's centered on him. Follow Jesus, not man. Don't compete, don't compare, don't critique. Follow Jesus. My sense is that Jesus is still speaking these things into our lives today as well. Jesus is alive. Jesus is raised from the dead. Now what? How does all of that translate into my life? Well, it brings blessing because he's alive and will continue to bless. It also brings restoration, and we have to allow that. Peter could have been broken forever after that event. And there are many lives, even here today, some of you are broken. And there are, I've seen Christian lives that remain broken. I myself was that type of Christian for a season of my own life. I was broken. I did not allow true restoration to take place in my life. I still carried the shame, the guilt, the condemnation. You know that's what Peter was wrestling with. And Jesus is bringing him back. It's not too late. Allow the restoration of God to heal you, to forgive you, to make all things new. And then commit your heart to follow Jesus without distraction, without complaining, without looking at others. What is that to you? You follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you today for this personal account of the Apostle John who gives us some insight into a very intimate time with Jesus following the resurrection. This is before Jesus has ascended. It's before the Holy Spirit has been poured out and the, and the first message where people came to faith. All of that is yet to come. And yet, before the ministry starts, before the empowering work of the Holy Spirit begins, Jesus comes to establish relationship. And Jesus, I believe that you're still in that business today. Before there's ministry, before there's calling, before there's empowering, before there's anointing and gifting, Lord, before all of that, you come, Jesus, you come. And you come to establish relationship. You come with blessing. You come with restoration. And you come with a call to follow you. And Lord, I want my heart to be refreshed in that today. I don't think these things ever get old, Lord. I still need your blessing in my life. I still need your goodness, though I don't deserve it. I still need that daily restoration in my life, Lord. Just that reconnecting with you, that reminder that you love me, that it's not too late, that your grace is sufficient. And Lord, I need that focus to follow not putting my eyes on others, not putting my eyes on even myself or my own ambition, but Lord, following you. And as we close here today in prayer, I want to give an opportunity, if you're here today, maybe that you need to respond to the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning as we close. Intentionally closed a little early today. Would you stand with me, please? As I was working my way through uh, today's message, I felt like the Lord wanted me to call for a little different response here today. I'm going to ask you to 
to come forward and meet me here at the front. I'm going to come down and I'm just going to pray for those of you that need to respond to the word of the Lord here today. There may be some of you that just, you need Jesus for the first time and you sense him drawing you, you sense his calling on your heart. Most of you know the Lord. Most of you have a relationship with Jesus. But my sense is that there are some of you today that, that need this ministry of Jesus the same way Peter did. You need a restoration and you need a refocusing of your commitment to follow him. I don't have any words to describe what that would mean in your life. I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit now felt like the Holy Spirit asked me to close our service this way, so I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to come down. The Lord has spoken to you, and you know that, that He has something for you in this, this moment. I'm going to ask you to meet me right here, and I'll close us in prayer. Something that's interesting about this event that John recorded for us. He gives us this picture of something that went down before Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit came and empowered ministry. Jesus came to restore relationship. See, ministry flows out of relationship. And God is much more concerned about you than any ministry that you might one day do for him. It's relationship that he wants. He wants you. And he comes to restore that first. He wants to, Peter's, Peter is broken. And he has to get to Peter. He's got to get that right before Peter is even really usable by the Holy Spirit. So be encouraged today that God loves you and wants relationship with you. And the answer to your heart is simply, Jesus, I love you to the best that I know how, to the best of my ability. I love you and I'm committing my heart to follow you. And I believe that just your coming, and this is why I feel the Lord kind of put this in my heart for us to close. He wanted this step of faith the Lord is going to meet you here. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray, and I'm just a man praying like you. We're just praying. But God is the one that's asking for faith. And I think your coming is a step of faith. You're saying, Jesus, I love you. And I purpose in my heart to follow you. I'm weak. I need help. I don't know about the past except that I need you to restore and forgive. I don't know about the future except that I'm trusting you. But today, right now, my heart is toward you. I love you. And I'm committing my heart to follow you in faith. I believe the Lord's going to meet you. I believe he's going to minister to you. And just as Peter was restored to go on to, you know, just a beautiful, fulfilling ministry, I believe God has that for us here today. So, Lord, we thank you for this response to your word. We thank you for your love for us. We acknowledge before you today 
that we are weak, but you are strong. We acknowledge before you today that we can make no promises that we have any real ability to keep except this one. We love you. That we can say with confidence today because you first loved us. Lord, please take this offering of love. Please take this offering of stepping toward you as faith for you to work mighty things in us and through us. We love you. We want to follow you. And we embrace your love for us. We receive your blessing today. Jesus. We ask it all in your precious name. Amen. 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 Amen.